as I did end up calling this message, The Days of Our Lives. And I had that as a placeholder in my sermon schedule for a while. I thought, well, I got to change that. But uh, then I was told, no, it it fits. So some of you don't know where that's uh, from, but uh, there was a soap opera back in the day called The Days of Our Lives. And it said, like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And I say that not because I watched The Days of Our Lives uh, when I was a kid growing up, but because back in the day we didn't have Netflix and we didn't have all these different options. You had a few channels. And after the cartoons were over, eventually, you know, and uh, stuff like this would come on. And so that was the only part of it I really saw, and that was my signal to, you know, change the channel or go play bike tag or something. But I think of that metaphor with, uh, with the hourglass, you know, that we do have only so much sand in the hourglass. We only have so many days that are in our lives, and that no matter how many grains of sand you do have, that are in your hourglass, eventually they do run out. So let's read together Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to read the whole thing. This is the Word of God. This is not just some boring genealogy. This is God's Word. It's meant for us. It speaks to us. And again, yes, I do encourage you to follow along in your Bible, the Pew Bible in front of you if you need to. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God made man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters, Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. And Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 850 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. And Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. And Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. And he fathered Methuselah, after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, uh, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. 
Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and he called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This is the word of the Lord for us here today. And we see this genealogy that traces from Adam all the way you see at the end is Noah. That's the purpose of this different sons uh, that they have. Not necessarily, I think, always the firstborn, and we know that Seth was not the firstborn, but the ones that trace down uh, to Noah. And so as we look at this, a few things I want to draw out. We're not going to go through this verse by verse, but one of the things that you may have noticed that kind of stands out to us a little bit is that Abraham's descendants before the flood lived unusually long lives. And I can't really just pass this by and not comment on it because this is something that people notice, people living 900 years. In fact, in this, uh, if, you, if you don't live that long, it, is, uh, it seems kind of odd if you don't make that 900-year mark. But I think it's also worth noting in that the first few verses here are just kind of a recap of several of the things that we have seen as we've been working through Genesis talks about the book of the generations of Adam. These are different sections uh, that come in the, the book of uh, Genesis when it talks about the book of the generations. And then it gives the genealogy. God created man. We're created by God. We didn't just uh, evolve from uh, something. You, but you were purposely made by God. And he said he made him in the likeness of God. That every human being is made in the image and the likeness of God. And those two things basically are interchangeable. They mean the same thing, that there's ways that we are like God. We can relate to God. And this means that every single human being has dignity, value, worth, that their life is valuable, worth protecting, worth respecting. And whether it's somebody that you see eye to eye with on everything or somebody that uh, you don't see eye to eye with at all or somebody that's opposed to you. So somebody made in the image of God. And we know there's sin, we know there's problems, there's sin in our lives too, but there's the image of God. And we have to treat people with that type of uh, respect from beginning to end. It says here, male and female, he created them. It reminds us of what it keeps talking about in, that we've seen, that God created with uh, people as either they're designed as male or designed as female. That this is not something that is just in your head. It's not a social construct, as many people uh, say today and try to say that we all need to now think that you being a man or you being a woman, that's just in your head. It's nothing to do with your body or your design. No, it is. And you're designed one way or the other according to scripture, male or female. And they're both good, both created in the image of God. And on purpose, he created them and blessed them and named them man. And the word basically is the word for, for Adam. Again, that when we talk about mankind, we're, we're Adam's kind. We're named after him because we are his descendants. And that means uh, we carry his image, but it also means we carry uh, responsibility for what he did as our, as our head, as the first man whom we are a part of. 
It says, when he created Adam, he lived 130 years. He fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. And he wasn't the first one that was born from Adam, but he was a replacement for Abel that was murdered by Cain. So Adam here, he lived another 800 years, total of 930 years, and then Adam died. So we do see here, pretty long lives. That's uh, pretty old to be, to be living. Uh, if we go through this, we see Adam 930 years, Seth 912, Enosh 905, Kenan 910, Mahalalel, uh, poor guy, only 895, died young. But it's a tragedy. Jared 962, Enoch 365, we'll come back to that. What happened there? Uh, then Methuselah, he's got the record, 969 years. Can anyone here beat Methuselah? Anyone got him? Uh, anyone? No? Back then, no. Anyone here? You think you can? You're a, you're a baby compared to Methuselah. Okay? Uh, <laughs> you think, what would it be like if we had people that are 900 years old running around today? You know, they'd be going back to like, uh, you know, uh, 1100, the 1100s, you know. Um, <laughs> People like, think about it, you know, back in my day, we didn't have these fancy Apple watches. If you want to know what time it is, you stared at the sun until you burned your eyes out. And we liked it. You know, so it'd be insufferable. So we don't have that today. Now, some people wonder, you know, are these just myths? What's going on here? Uh, and you know, a lot of people say, well, these are myths. And they say, well, we have other records of, uh, from the ancient world and where they have their own fall, leg or legends of like a flood and people before them, and there's uh, flood legends. Uh, there's a document called the Sumerian King List, and it lists those that lived before their story of the flood, and they had, they had spectacularly long lives compared to Scripture. El Agar of Iridu has the record, according to them, and he, according to their account, lived 36,000 years. And so some people say, well, see, the Bible's just copying those type of things. I say, well, is that really what's happening? We don't have evidence of that. And which really came first? Because if you don't believe in God, well, I could see it'd be easy to say, well, a lot of ancient religions had these legends of people with super long lives and they would exaggerate it for their kings. Uh, but another thing, a theory, way of thinking that is way more plausible would be to realize that if these things really happened, and we believe they did, then ancient man would have had some kind of recollection of this. And it would have got warped as it got passed down and I think exaggerated by other people. And that's where you end up with some people claiming, oh, you know, our, this king lived 36,000 years. I think it makes less sense that uh, you know, biblical writers would, would have uh, tamed that down you know, to a mere 900 years instead. So I don't think these are myths. Um, sadly, when I read a lot of commentaries, even by a lot of Christians, I can tell that they don't really believe that uh, these first chapters of Genesis, sometimes all the way to chapter 11, are um, actual history at all. That they just view these as, these are basically just stories. They teach us important lessons, but they're just stories. We've talked about all the reasons that uh, we don't think that's the case. 
Jesus and the New Testament writers referred back to these as real, real history. And it's written like an actual account. It's not written as if this is something mythological. Now, another possibility is sometimes people, you might, and maybe you wonder this too, are we just reading the numbers wrong? Because the way the Hebrew numbering system worked is you had different letters that stood for different numbers. And you know, maybe you know, way back in the day, their numbering system was different. I remember thinking that once, like, well, what if it's just off by a factor of 10? Adam lived 93 years, and we're just reading it wrong. And it's, uh, we think it's a 930 because our numbering system was a little bit different. Problem is, if you do that, then you have some of these people fathering their children when they're seven years old. So that doesn't work. And really, there's no scholars that have been able to find any type of alteration of the numbering system that makes sense and is consistent. So I think that uh, we should take these as literal. We should take them as straightforward and just acknowledge that things were different in the early days and that people lived unusually long lives. And I think there's probably some good reasons for this. I think that the genetics at the beginning uh, probably didn't have as much uh, contamination in them as they would later on. So there's probably uh, natural reasons for this. There could be supernatural things that altered it later on as well. We'll be able to talk about this uh, later on uh, when it comes up again. And I think there's also a need. I mean, to get a jump start on populating the earth, uh, giving people longer lives to learn and develop technology. Uh, so I believe that these were unusually long lives, at least according to our standards. Now, according to God's original design, these were unusually short lives. Because remember, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, they wouldn't have died. So even to live nearly a thousand years compared to eternity, that's nothing. That's you're there and you're gone. Another question I want to address just really quickly is sometimes people wonder, are there possible gaps in the accounts here? And is there a way to uh, kind of stretch these out to be a little bit longer? Now, it is true that other biblical genealogies sometimes have gaps. We, just, we have to acknowledge that. Examples, First Chronicles 7.13, Genesis 46.18, Matthew 1.11 lists Josiah as the father of Jeconiah when in fact he's his grandfather. And some people point to that and say, see, your Bible is full of errors. You say it's inerrant, but it's not inerrant. But the reason that is not an error is uh, just the fact that the words for father and for son that are used have a range of meaning that goes beyond just uh, the... Uh, immediate father or immediate son. And we recognize that also when we talk about Father Abraham, that you know, the Jews of, of Jesus' time called Abraham father, and that would have been way before him. And also we talk about Jesus as the son of David. Well, he wasn't the, the initial son of David, but he was a descendant. And so those words do have a meaning of uh, ancestor or descendant as part of this. And therefore, there is um, that possibility of being uh, some gaps that we acknowledge that are not uh, errors in Scripture. But of course, a lot of the other genealogies, they don't also list the date when uh, the person became the father of someone else. And so in order, it'd be easier to say that this means he becomes the, the ancestor of someone. Uh, but when it says that 
you know, after 130 years, Adam uh, bore Seth. That kind of seems to lock the dates more into place. I guess the only way you could really get around that is if you thought that meant uh, that he became the father of the one who would eventually have uh, give birth to Seth or whatever descendant that is. So either way, even if it is a, um, I guess it's possible but maybe doubtful in this, but no matter what, I don't see any way where you can stretch this out to uh, hundreds of thousands of years or something like that. Uh, John Morris, in his book on the young earth, uh, says that his conviction is the earth is around 6,000 years old. He allows for an outward range uh, for the young earth position at approximately 12,400. If you stretch it to the uttermost, 6 to 10,000 is, is common. Uh, but if we just take it kind of as it stands, uh, it would put it about 6,000 uh, years ago. So we have that information. So we have long, long ages. We have uh, long times when, where these people lived. They lived many years, a lot of overlap between them as well. But this is something else that we need to notice from this, is that nevertheless, their days were all numbered. They had many days, but those days came to an end. We kept reading over and over this phrase, and he died, and he died. And as we see that, it is just a reminder to us that this is the effect of the fall. Jesus told Adam and Eve that if they rebelled against him, it would, they would die. This would introduce death into the world. We know from the Bible that uh, that the cause of death is sin in this world. And we see that promise, that warning being lived out in this passage with everyone standardly dying here at the end. Now, I read a lot of biographies. Um, I've been into a kick of reading a lot of biographies of the, the, the founding fathers. And I'm starting to notice a pattern. It's getting a little bit depressing. I mean, it starts off really good. And then they'll die at the end. So I just finished uh, one on uh, Samuel Adams. He died at the end. Read one on Benjamin Franklin. He had a good long life for, compared to us, and he died at the end. I read two of George Washington. He died at the end of both of them. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton gets himself shot in a duel. He dies. Uh, John Adams read his. Guess what happened? He died. Right now I'm doing one on Thomas Jefferson. Okay, so, I mean, don't spoil it for me. Okay, I'm not to the end yet. I'm, I'm holding out hope. Okay, so no, no spoilers, please, but I don't have a good feeling about this. <laughs> In fact, I know a spoiler from the John Adams book that uh, John Adams, second president, one of the most influential founding fathers, and Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, author of the Declaration of Independence, third president, one, again, one of the, the most important of the founding fathers. You know, they both died, they both died on the same day which is amazing. Not only that, they died on the 4th of July. And not only that, and this is historically true, it was the 50th 4th of July, which means the 50th anniversary of the ratification of the Declaration of Independence. That's just on the side there. But they died. They're not around. And this is how, how it is. And he died. We each owe a death. The sin 
of Adam and Eve has brought sin into this world. We are guilty of Adam's sin. We are guilty of our own sin. This is the consequence of sin. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. It's not just that we die, but you die and then you stand before the God that made you to give an account. And you will stand before him either with a Savior or on your own without a Savior, with no one to go in between you as a sinner and a holy God. No matter the amount of sand that is in your hourglass, one day it will run out. Question I need to ask, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We all owe that. But it goes on. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I read a story, it was in a uh, commentary by Ken Ham. He tells a story of someone who invited his uh, non-Christian friend to church. And his friend finally accepts the invitation and comes to church and they get there and they're ready. And the pastor says today, the reading is Genesis 5, the genealogies. And this man is upset. He's like, I finally got this friend to come to church. And he comes and it's the genealogies. And he's, he's embarrassed, he's frustrated with us. And at the end of the service, his friend uh, trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord and is saved. And the friend uh, talks with him and says, what happened? And he said, as the pastor was reading that passage, and I kept hearing, and he died, and he died, and he died. You realize I'm going to die too one day. I got to be ready for this. I got to be ready for what's next. I have to be ready when I stand before God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't follow that impulse to run away from him, to try and pretend he doesn't exist, to calm that feelings of guilt. The good news for you is there is something that can take away the guilt that you have. It's not just a feeling, it is real, because we are guilty. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, the God-man himself, has paid the price for sinners on the cross. And if you turn to him in repentant faith, you will find one that has paid the price for you in full. It's not your good works. It's not your efforts. It's what he has already done and gets applied to you when you trust in him alone as Savior. Please, 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 I implore you, Turn to Christ and be saved this day because you don't know how much time that you have. How are you using the limited time that you have? I think it's another question we want to ask ourselves. We only have a, a limited amount of time. And like sand through an hourglass or I think this one's 10 minutes here. It just uh, keeps going whether you're paying attention to it, whether you're thinking about it. And I sit here, and even if I waste time, sand keeps going through. And no matter how you choose to use your days, whether you make good use of them, or you just waste them, 
and let them run through. They keep flowing. They keep running. But unlike this, we only see the bottom of the hourglass in our lives. You can count the days that you have behind you, but you have no idea the days that you have left. That's why you need to turn to Christ today. Today is the day of salvation for you. And this is why you need to start living for Jesus Christ today as well. Not something to put off, saying, I'll start getting my life together. I'll start doing things that actually count in the future because you have no idea how many grains of sand is left. How many are you going to waste? And how many are you going to decide, I'm going to start making everyone count? We each step onto the stage and we each step off the stage at some point. And what matters most is to use your days to walk with God. Remember Enoch? He only lived 365 days. Poor guy. But notice what it says. By the way, there are two guys named Enoch. There was a descendant of Cain. There was an evil Enoch. Uh, there's, some of these names get repeated, so you have to separate them out. I mean, we have more than one John here, you know, so it's a common thing to have. Remember what I said. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. This all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. It says that twice. Seems important. And he was not, for God took him. Kind of seems like something different happened there. It leaves out the, and he died. He's kind of the exception that proves the rule here. If you wonder, well, maybe it doesn't say he died, but obviously he, he died. Um, no. God took him without, without death, without him dying. And the only other exception to this rule, at least so far, in the Old Testament is Elijah, I got good news for you. There's going to be some more exceptions. In 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us, Paul says, Behold a mystery, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. If you're a believer and you're around when Christ returns, yeah, you get to be an exception that gets to skip that whole death part and just be changed. But you got to be a believer. You have to trust Christ and we don't know time of his return. He walked with God. Again, it said twice. He lived, this means he lived in fellowship and obedience with God. In contrast, uh, Enoch here, who's the seventh in the genealogy with Lamech uh, from Cain's genealogy, and he was the ultimate bad guy pointed around that he had two wives, he killed people just for crossing him. Instead, Enoch, he walked with God. Again, fellowship, obedience. And this requires faith. The New Testament gives us some commentary on this. Remember, the Bible is the best commentary in Scripture. And this is where I know for sure that he didn't actually die. Because we're told in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 5-6, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Okay, that clears that up. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for over would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
So faith is needed. Not just believing that he exists, but putting your trust in him. That's what saving faith is. And also seeking him and living for his reward. Not just living for the rewards that are found in this world and in this life, but for the greater reward, the the reward that is beyond. And that will allow you to live a life where you follow God, you obey him, and it's going to mean sometimes where there are hardships. There are going to be things that you do without that you could have otherwise, but you're willing to do it because living for God is more important in his glory, and you know that there is a reward that is greater for you one day. That even if you never see a bit of it in this life, it is sure and certain because it is held by God in store for you for eternity. Great message for all of us and for today. We're here for a limited time. Yeah, the people before Adam, or before the flood, lived a great many days, but their days were all numbered. Your days are number two. Seek the Lord while you can and use your days to make a difference for eternity. Look to his reward. Live for him. Walk with him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this passage and what it teaches us. We are here for a time and and then we will be no more as well unless you return for us first. And we look forward to that. We'd be very glad to see you come, Lord God. But in the days that we have ahead of us, how many there are, whether there are few or whether there are many, let us walk with you. Lord, let us look to you. Let us live for the glory of Jesus Christ and the mission and purpose that he has given us. Lord, give us the grace and the help that we need to use our days well. And Lord, there's nothing that we can do about the the sand that has already flowed through the hourglass. But Lord, you are the God of our future as well. And I pray that anyone here that does not know you would turn to you even before they leave, embrace Jesus Christ, the Lord, as their Savior, trusting in him alone for their forgiveness. And all of us, Lord, may we live for you with you in our mind every single day. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen.